We want you to be an activist and don't take our word for it. Look that shit up. Pulley. You know, they've been planning for decades already and it's gotten to the point where they know that their side is, their, their stuff is weakening so much that if they don't make a big move now, it's, they're done. You know what I'm saying? I really think it is. I really think it's end game. That's what it is. It's end game. These are the Hail Marys, you know, these are those Hail Marys, you know, um, because I the reset. And I think that, you know, things naturally reset. But they want to control the reset. You know what I'm saying? They know it's going to happen, but they want to be on the upside of it when it flips. You know what I'm saying? Thank you so much for uh, joining us. This this book was what made you look at the experience of African Americans in this country through the lens of caste rather than race. Well, you know, it started with that first book, The Warm for the Sons, which was about the Jim Crow South and why six million African-Americans would flee, defect, seek political asylum within the borders of their own country. Why would they do that? What were they leaving? And it ended up that they were leaving a world in which was against the law for a black person and a white person to merely play checkers together in Birmingham. You could go to jail if you were caught playing checkers with a person of a different race and maybe the wrong person was winning or they were having too good of a time, but they felt that the entire foundation of Southern civilization was in peril, could not have it and literally wrote down a law making it illegal for black people and white people to play checkers together. That's how extreme and how arcane and how very specific the rules and protocols were of the Jim Crow South. And that actually parallels with this, a similar impulse and set of rules and expectations within the Indian caste system. One of the pillars is called purity versus pollution, where the uh, subordinated people, the lowest caste people, were not to use the same chalice, the same wells, the same waterways. And the same thing happened here, where actually the water was segregated throughout much of the country, you know, where black people could not use the same right. pools, the same uh, beaches. In fact, there was a case in Chicago where uh, a teenager waded into what was called the white water. You know, water has right. no color. And then he was stoned to death for having waded into what was perceived as the white water. And that set off one of the worst race riots in our country in Chicago in 1919. So I, was, I, I came to the idea of looking at our country as uh, focusing in on the system of hierarchy that mm -hmm. was enshrined in this country going back to the 17th century that created a hierarchy that put, that put uh, primarily British uh, uh, people at the very top and mm -hmm. anyone who looked like them. And then at the very bottom uh, were uh, people who were brought in to be enslaved and to build this country uh, for free. And then, of course, that all began with the, uh, the, the stealing of the theft of the land and the genocide of the, of the people who were, we're already here. Right. So all of this was creating a hierarchy and we live with it to this very day. I'm curious if, if it was purposeful in the sense that if you're building a new country, do you believe hierarchy then is a necessary element? Must there be in a society a dominant caste 
and a subordinate caste? And is this something that all societies suffer from, just not to the obscenity and perversion uh, that was, and to, to give people a sense of it uh, in, in terms of perspective, the Nazis, when looking to institute their dominant versus subordinate caste, look to America's racial system of segregation and caste and thought it too severe. Yeah. I mean, reading that was devastating. Uh, it is, it's gut-wrenching to realize that, uh, that the Nazis did not need anyone to teach them how to hate that they had down pat. But right. when they were looking for justification and uh, jurisprudence and a legal framework on which to build a, a re reasoning, presumably rationality, uh, right. to to uh, do what they were ultimately going to do. They actually looked to this country, first of all, for the definition of, of race. I mean, the, it turned out that our country was more, uh, led the world, sadly, in finding ways to categorize people on the basis of, of, the, of a, the social construct known as race. Mm -hmm. And through those laws, I mean, they had these blood laws, the laws that said, you know, if you had one drop of, of black blood, you were black. Right. For other cases, they would say one, you know, one quarter of Chinese blood made you Chinese. The United States had extensive jurisprudence and they looked, the, the Nazis looked all over the world and it turned out that they had to come to this country. Right. We often look to South Africa as a, as a country that uh, has an extreme case of racial hierarchy, but mm -hmm. they actually look to the United States as well. Apartheid followed Jim Crow. Jim Crow was set in motion in the 19th right. century. And so we were the leaders right. uh, in, in the Western world. Not a great, like, uh, we're number one to shout. Not, not no. one of those where you want to get on the hilltops, but it does make me wonder, because it, it seems pretty clear that the founders of this country valued the union over the ideal. Whatever our founding documents said, they valued the creation of that union far more than they valued following the high-minded rhetoric. And do you know, was that explicit in their discussions and negotiations and how did this legal framework come into place was it borrowed from an english framework who who were the designers of this incredibly restrictive prison that we built well in interestingly enough uh they actually broke from english tradition when they created uh this what i would call cast of people who were forced to be enslaved by tying uh, the status of an individual of a child, not mm -hmm. to the father, which is what the English law would have said, but to the mother. And what that did was that allowed the, the uh, founders, the slaveholders, uh, people who were creating a, basically a slaveocracy to, to take possession of any, any child born to a, a black woman and to make sure that that child, any black child would automatically assume the, the status of the mother, which would be enslavement. So that's how you had generational inheritable 
slavery mm -hmm. uh, and, and servitude that was built into the identity of anyone who was of African descent in this country. So in a way, they actually veered from it and created right. a new framework for the hierarchy here. But it shows, though, this wasn't happenstance. This wasn't a condition that developed out of some sort of extreme condition. It was designed. It was purposeful. And, and which makes it, I'm not saying it would have been any better if the intention had been different, but then the cruelty of it is that much more, our country is that much more culpable. Well, I think that in, in a way, the intentionality uh, kind of, in a way it diverts us from the from the end result. It doesn't matter why the person is, is, uh, is, is whipping this individual at the moment. I mean, if they truly believe that this is their God-given right, that this is their, they were born to dominance, they've been programmed to believe that they are over these people, that these people are de are not even human, so they can do anything mm -hmm. they want to them. So in, in a way, it becomes so encoded for so long, passed down through generations, that it becomes the perceived wisdom, it becomes the convention, it becomes what you expect to be the case. In other words, you come to accept it because it's been in place for so long, passed down to the generations. Even the, the idea of race itself is, is a social construct. We've come to believe it to be what it is, but this is a construction. When people arrived from parts of Europe, they might have arrived uh, thinking of themselves as Polish or as Irish or as Welsh or as, mm -hmm. as German, whatever they might have been, they were not thinking of themselves in terms of the current day language of race. But once they entered into the hierarchy that was created in this country, they had to shed that and they, they were uh, joining into a pre-existing hierarchy in which they were characterized as something that would have had no meaning back in, in Europe, but had right. tremendous meaning of power influence and entitlements in this country who invented this <laughs> somebody must have made the invention because i think you just hit on something which is you think of yourselves as ethnicity certainly and polish and and or tribal where certain tribes or, or certain things where did this idea of race then enter the conversation is it at that time of subjugation or is this something that was a a theory that had been talked about and was deployed for the benefit of this dominant cat well of course it, it evolved over the the decades uh of the 17th century where clearly they were bringing in uh they were bringing in people who look different from themselves and they used what should have been the you know neutral uh, neutral physical characteristics that should have no meaning other than just the beautiful range of human manifestation. And they mm -hmm. converted that into a value, into a value of, of hierarchy in which based upon what you look like, you it would be determined whether you would be, uh, whether you could own property or be property. And that was, that was right. the emerging uh, hierarchy that was built out of the fact that they perceived themselves to be needing to build a country out of wilderness. Uh, they first tried to to uh, enslave indigenous people. Uh, they killed off so many indigenous people, drove them from the land, and then of course right. they were uh, the indigenous people were 
had some ways of being able to evade uh, because right. they knew the knew the land. Right, they knew the landscape. Uh, and it turned out that they tried to do this with uh, with Irish indentured servants and others from Europe. But those people could also escape and blend in with the uh, with the landowners and the, the powers that be who were the British. And so they found that here were a group of people who could not escape. They were readily visible. They turned these otherwise neutral characteristics into a value that determined who could do what in the country. And once established, as it sunk in, and, and you talk about this, it takes on its own momentum, its own inertia, you know, and, and you talk a little bit in the book about these scientific experiments where, where the blue eyes are given, you know, yep. uh, dominance over the brown eyes and, and how those experiments uh, play themselves out. They set it up as sort of this bifurcated system, whiteness and blackness, and then they start to expand whiteness yes. yep. when they need that. And and how does that play into uh, the perpetuation of, of a system like this? Well, what it does, I mean... Hey, y'all, y'all out there. What's up? What's up, what's up? Man, I apologize for being what's late. Up, bro? I, I fucking... Uh, fell asleep. I had a snooze and I kept hitting the snooze. I guess my phone was like, this dude don't really want to get up. My snooze stopped going off and fucking... I think it was one of y'all texts or something that woke me. I don't know what woke me up. Just woke up and I was like, oh shit. That is what it is, yeah. man. I apologized to everybody for being late. That's all so, good, bro. You yeah, human, bro. You gotta get rest too. Yeah, man, I was running around doing a bunch of shit. I was dealing with these kids and shit, and they, the kids is what made me tired because I got my youngest. Anyways, y'all don't want to hear about that. Um, what do y'all think about this video right here so far? Man, you know, it's it's interesting. I never really heard anybody talk about it like that, but, you know, to hear Damn, you're breaking up. Bro, you know, um, you broke up at the end. What was that you very said? Sad. I was like, you know, it's really interesting, you know, and it's sad, you know, like how how did this? How, how did we get here? That we have today. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay, I mean, you think about it now today. You know, it's almost like they base thing i mean race still exists but it's more so like now they base a lot of this off of classism you know as well you know so i don't know if that makes sense it's really what we'd be top. saying on the show all the time but i'd hardly hear anybody speak of it in these terms but that's what she broke it down and she said she had to look at it through a class way to better understand it and she wrote this book and that's what they're talking about So like, um, and the idea of whiteness, super, super interesting to me. And then how all encompassing whiteness, like they said, you know, we got to expand, we got to change, you know, we got to, you know, we got to let some more people into this whiteness because that way we can have more strength. Yeah. Yeah. The shit is crazy, bro. It's, uh, it's a, it's a harsh reality. It's a sad truth, you know? see how they break it down yeah i don't want to it's crazy it's crazy how 
No, it's just, I'm just saying, like, it, it, it's crazy how, like, you know, um, just something that I've seen take place, you know, in my time, if there's this one white person or that's friends with you as being a, a black man, how he is now kind of placed in that class. You know what I'm saying? It's like they the way that they treat it's just it's yeah, crazy you get to lower work. right. I get what you're saying. You get to lower your class by hanging out with black folks, like yeah, kind of. Uh, go ahead. That's how I was just gonna say that's. I mean, that's how they treated my uh, great grandfather. Uh, I mean, he was originally from Ireland, but well, I think during that time he was because I mean Irish were also considered black at that time too. So, but. Same, uh, at the, on the same token, with him having white skin, you know, just because he was, you know, his family, he's married to a black woman, had, uh, you know, what they consider mulatto children, they put kind of left him on the black side. All of the census stuff has him as a. You know, of course, he was head of household, but he, they still had him listed as black. And I think that was because instead of having these black kids or, you know, non-white kids that were, uh, you know, it, it just, just the way that they labeled it or whatever. And, I mean, I guess this thing kind of, you know, does kind of clear up a lot of, you know, a lot. most people don't really see that and maybe never really had an example of that but um america remind you of all the history and if you really you know pay attention yes well she's going to talk about it in this show i don't know i want to play another clip but i don't remember what part it is of the video but about how the one of the big problems like is silent and um she said that the reaction that a lot of people got, um, I guess from her reading her book, I think that's what it was. They was like, they didn't know this history. They didn't know none of this stuff. They didn't know none of it existed, that it had ever happened. And she said, well, there's a problem with that. The problem is that skews people's view of people today. They don't understand how people ended up in the situations that they're in today because they weren't taught this part of the history. It was left out. So, you know, because of that, that's... That's why they like to bl victim blame, you know what I'm saying? Because they're like, you know, pull yourself up, get your shit together. What the fuck is going on? But they wasn't told the rest of the story. Yeah, and that's that's really where a lot of problems will be. Like, I mean, like the whole CRT, whether it's CRT or just the proper history, like by the you know s certain groups not learning is gonna make. You know, it's even worse for another a whole nother generation or more. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah, yeah. You know, you're able to live with this this privilege of, you know, hey, I was good. You know, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of you know white people that you know didn't really play the role of, um, you know, I mean, there was only a few that was like masters and whatever. But of course, a lot of them are still able to use their, uh, their right. whiteness as a. That's what she was going to say. Like, even though a lot of people, like, he said, she says everybody's culpable 
Um, and it's it's a it's a it's like a it, it can, becomes ingrained in you to just like you know try to please the powers that be. You know what I'm saying? To, to get by, you know. So, but then that causes you to uphold this same system that they created. And, and that includes everybody all the way down the you know the spectrum yeah. let me let me play a bit more it's 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 actually like diabolically brilliant because what it does is it creates the i haven't played this before have i tell me if i played this before i'm kind of half sleeping tripping bro but i saw this video today so i can't imagine me playing this before but my brain is telling me i played this before the, the, the uppermost group is then because of the power we by those in the uppermost group not everyone in the uppermost group but the group itself right and then that means anyone entering that society has to figure out how do i survive in this hierarchy how do i survive in a world in which people who look like this are at the very top and they control and own virtually everything. This is going back to the founding of a country. Right. And then those who are at the very bottom uh, have no rights, not even over their own bodies. And how do I, how, do, how does someone coming in figure out where they fit in and how will they survive? And that creates this sense in order to survive, I must accede to and gain the, and the, be in the good graces of those who are at the very top. Mm -hmm. It creates this, uh, this natural human impulse to want to be more like those who are in power in order to survive. Right. I mean, I don't, in some ways, I don't blame people for the natural response to survive. I'm just saying that, that what it does is it programs everyone into the belief system right. uh, and to act in accord with what is re required in order to survive in a pre-existing hierarchy such as ours. And it's been going on for so long, it's 400 years in the making, that, that it has been so set in the ways in which we move about that we don't even see it. That's the power of it. It's, it's, it's almost right. invisible. It's invisible. And you even talk about how it's also absorbed by the caste that has been designated as yes. lower, that you, yes. that that the people in that caste start to absorb the lesson of them being lesser. Yes. And, and the dominant caste even relies on perverting some in that caste for their aims to police the others, uh, you know, on plantations and, and in concentration. That part right there, bro, makes me so sad, you know? And this is what I see whenever I look around the community. I see people who have accepted this shit as the way, the like, like, the way things have always been and the way things will always be. And, you know, nigga, you might as well just keep, you know, just put your head down and, and do what they say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you see that shit so much. You, people, in a sense, lost hope, you know. But uh, just to kind of go back to what you and Pat was uh, speaking about a little bit ago before you played <clears throat> played this clip, you know, I think with the, a lot of the people not being educated and not even knowing this history, I think that's why you have so many of them that say, uh, what white supremacy, what, what, um, not white supremacy, but... Um, uh, privilege, white privilege. There ain't no white privilege. That doesn't exist. That's that's a that's just something that people a word or something that people say. And it's like, no, there is a certain amount of privilege that you guys have. 
you know, there's certain things that you will get away with that nobody else would get away with, you know. It's just whether they subscribe to it or not, and it doesn't even matter if they support the system or not, it doesn't matter. They still benefit because that's the way the system is set up. It's set up for, so it's like, you know, that's what I be talking about. Where you came out of your womb, where you came out of your mom's womb and your skin tone, then already determined how much human rights you get and all of this shit, your whole fucking life. You know, you know, and then the other part of it is how much money your parents had when when you came when they when you came out of their womb. You know, that's another thing that determines that. So, but what's crazy about that is people are still sitting on the money they made off of slavery. So, like, come on, yeah, I, I don't see how you can value. There's horrible people who have money, and there's horrible people who don't have money. What I mean is, how much money you have doesn't determine like your humanity. Yeah. I want to play a little bit more because I was hoping that sh- they would get to the other. I'm glad they just said that point that I mentioned right there. They meant they cleared it up. So that's what I was talking about. But it's another part that the silence, like the. Um, let me see. Patient camps uh, and, and things like that. How do you elevate a group that's been subjugated like that? How do you begin to dismantle it? And is it something, you know, you talk about in India, it's there for uh, thousands and thousands of years. And it's not race-based. It's just sort of they've decided yeah, yeah. the experiences you have at conferences where an upper caste Indian woman, and you can spot her, you can spot that she is upper caste in the way that she talks to somebody who is giving a presentation who has studied the Dalits or studied the untouchables and walks and just thinks nothing of stepping in and correcting it. Yeah. This is the way in which this has been, we have all been programmed. I mean, this is, we, the programming is, is in every sphere of our society. It's from, you know, it's from the billboards and the commercials to who dies first in a movie, you know, you see, like it's everywhere. Right. And one of my favorites was the the scholar that you went to. uh, And I can't remember where the conference was, where you met him. He was, I think, a Brahmin. He was somebody from a caste there. And he would say, like, I'm from the warrior class. And you're like, (laughs) it's like five, he's like, you know, five, seven, 130 pounds. Exactly. All right. That's fair enough. That's if that's your caste, that's your caste. He was Uh, a geologist. Boy, does it show you, though, just the arbitrary and incredibly strange nature uh, of all this. It's everywhere. So we have all been, we've all been programmed as to who is valued in our society and who must be protected at all costs uh, and whose lives do not matter as much as we have the Black Lives Matter movement as a result of the recognition of the ongoing quest for equity and and recognition of the humanity of people who have been subjugated for so long. This actually, I mean, what it means is that everyone becomes in some ways a participant, whether we choose to or not, because this is what we've inherited. I mean, one of the things that I I, uh, say, one of the the metaphors that I like this to, is use good. to help the house. see this is, you know, in recent years, it's not been unusual to hear people something say, say something to this effect of, you know, this is not America or I don't recognize my country or this is not, the, this is not who we are. That's right. Well, that means that 
we, as a, the majority of Americans, have been deprived of the opportunity really to know our country's true and full history. And if you knew our country's true and full history, you would realize that our country is like an old house. You know, it's like an old house. And if you inherit an old house, if you take mm-hmm. possession of an old house, you did not build the uneven pillars and joists and beams. You did not build the frayed electrical wiring. You did not build the corroded pipes that you're now having to deal with. But when you take possession of an old house, guilt and shame are not going to help you fix it. You, you, know, you have to look at that building inspector's report and right. see what is it that we're dealing with. And then you, you don't get emotional about it. You roll up your sleeves and you get to work in fixing that. And, you know, while you didn't build those uneven pillars and joists and beams and the frayed wiring and the corroded pipes, any further deterioration is on the hands of those who are in possession of the old house now. It is on people who are here now to take responsibility. That's where it, it diverges somewhat because, yep. and that's such a that's great as far as we get. metaphor about the house. We don't get no further than and that. now imagine that the people who live in that house become resentful and decide that it's actually your fault that it's like this and they're going to let it go to more decay. You know, th- that's the thing that is so hard to wrap your head around. You know, you have a founding document that states the inalienable rights given to all humans of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all men are created equal. And for a subjugated group to ask for that as though it is a negotiation, the document says, granted by God, not by Senator Calhoun of South Carolina. Like the idea that that has been an ongoing negotiation is the real shame of this years later that everybody thinks now like, hey man, you got your civil rights act, so we're done here. And where does that resentment come from? Well, you know, there are a whole lot of answers to that. I mean, one of them is that uh, I think that we are in a, a, a crisis of identity. I think we're in an existential crisis in this country in part because of 2042. Or 2045, that's the year in which the United States has been projected to have a demographic configuration different than anything any of us have ever known, which would mean that we no longer would have the historic majority that all of us have grown accustomed to would no longer be in the historic majority. Mm -hmm. That is a configuration that no one alive knows or has experienced ever. This affects everybody up and down the hierarchy in all segments of our society. And I think that there's this recognition that this is impending and this is a challenge. There's language that political scientists use, which is dominant group status threat, which means it's another way of talking about the existential crisis of what Mm -hmm. happens when we are all accustomed to a particular configuration as to who is in power, who has this and who's to be where. And then that changes. And then what happens when those who have been subjugated and that everyone has grown accustomed to seeing at the bottom, what happens when they rise? What happens when there's opportunity for them? What happens when if, if there's this sense that if if people who've been at the bottom begin to move up, then that Mm -hmm. diminishes, it's not true, but it's a view that it diminishes the role and power and 
value of the people who have been have been programmed to see themselves as dominant all along. How bing ping bada bing. <laughs> <clears throat> That's it right there. I mean, they. She said it. Yes, what? Yeah, I can't argue with nothing that she said. Yeah. You know, dominant social group. I mean, dominant. Uh, what did she say? Like, like the fear of the. You know, the dominant group changing or whatever. Like, however she said it. So, like, that's it right there. Because, like he said, where's this resentment coming from? You know, or it's like we gave you your, your damn civil rights act. Now, what the fuck else do you want? It's like, damn, bro, what the? Where's all this? Where's all this animosity and anger and shit coming from, bro? Like, I'm just like I got all fucked up. It's like if somebody had a wound, you know, they 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 got hurt. Like you stabbed them. It's like, man, I gave you a damn band aid. Now shut up, you're crying. Like, bro, you you you. I'm still bleeding, bro. Like. <laughs> You stabbed me, bro. Like, can we talk about this? I need to go to the. Can you take me to the hospital? That shit is painful as hell, and I, you know, I, I don't know if I can let it go. Yeah, just shit. So I think that both sides have this kind of, or this also kind of like this fear. This resentment of the change, you know, this resentment of like, you know, atonement is because what I be saying all the time is how like us as individuals in the United States, one of our biggest problems is seeing ourselves wrong. You know what I mean? Like admitting that we did something wrong and, you know, just being real about it. Um, and I think that's programmed in us because of the society that we live in doesn't want to atone for what it did wrong or, or even admit that it did anything wrong yeah in their minds they don't feel that they did anything wrong That's, uh, i mean honestly speaking yeah yeah the, the lamb was given to them by god and they and they had um you know they're, they're more superior so then they deserve to, to 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 use these people as slaves like they you know and even the ones that don't think like that or like, well, I didn't have nothing to do with this. You know, I didn't build this system. You know, uh, things are just the way that they are. I mean, you know, that's what makes me the most angry. It's like things would have happened like this regardless. Like, like this is the way, you know, this is just the natural order of things. It's been like this forever and going to be like this forever. Like, you know, everybody just need to accept their role in society. And like, if you was born pale or whatever the hell, then, you know, and if you was born dark or whatever the hell, then, you know, that's just what it is. It's like, I didn't make it this way. It's just the way it is. But that's, but, but that's not true because this, this, this was created. This whole system was made up, you know, it was, it's all, it's all artificial, really. It's all not even real, even. And but but we 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 believe it, so that's what makes it real. Sorry to say, but that is uh, more than true. Um, I really don't know. Honestly, right now I'm I, I'm I'm try trying to keep myself uh 
awake. I, I know. I, yeah. I, I understand. Um, and, and the next video I want to play is common ass voice of girl, but she's talking about conspiracy theory stuff. So it might it might grab y'all attention. Um. I sent this. I sent this earlier today because I really just wanted to. This this is an add on to the this week. It kind of out of the direction too, but conspiracy theory. Yeah, I'm just saying it like that because that's what she says. Yeah, and it also well, that also protects me and it protects her from anybody. Uh, you know. I feel you. I I'm, I got it. Uh... Yeah, so, but this, I mean, hey, y'all tell me what you think, how real her ideas can be on this particular subject. This video is 13 minutes, I ain't gonna lie, I want to play the whole thing, but let, let's play it in clips. Let me see. She summed it up at the end, I can't remember. Oh, about the farmland and shit at the end. She sums it up real good at the end. Talks about us growing plants. That's why we got to be careful with this, because at the end of the video, she starts talking about people growing their you know, growing their own food and shit. Well, just kind of subsidizing yourself. That's pretty yeah. much. Yes, yeah. So we just got to be careful when we talk about stuff like that because YouTube be tripping on that shit. Famine. Death. Spin the wheel. Which one are we landing on today, internet friends? Can't breathe through my nose today because of pollen, but still doing this recording, so I don't want to see any comments saying I've been replaced by some other broad with a nasally voice and it's not me. It is me in all my glory, and yes, you got it. Clippity-clop-clop, the horsemen don't stop. Famine. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about famine. More specifically, governments around the world have announced that we will be facing food shortages soon, but hey, don't worry, they got this thing all under control. They have your best interests at heart. Don't sweat it. Why do you look nervous? Just sit back, watch some Netflix, have a sip of your white claw, and take a deep breath, dear citizen. Just have a scroll through TikTok. We saved you 16 cents on hot dogs last 4th of July. You think we're going to let you starve? Last week, on the same day actually, President Joe Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau talked about impending food shortages. During a press conference, Trudeau warned food shortages were on Canada's horizon. He blamed global supply chain issues in that pesky little old war in Ukraine for these problems, saying, quote, We've seen disruptions of supply chains around the world, which is resulting in higher prices for consumers in democracies like ours, and resulting in significant shortages and projected shortages of food, of energy in places around the world. End quote. Like I said, on the same day, President Joe Biden said that food shortages are going to be real and that it was largely due to sanctions imposed on Russia. Isn't this the same fella who told us that this past winter all the purebloods were going to die? Well, it's spring, baby, and we're still kicking. It's also just amazing how much this Ukraine-Russia conflict is fair game to use as an excuse for, like, anything. High gas prices? Your grocery bill skyrocketing? Crime rates escalating in your cities? Gimpney? You know who to blame. It's those dirty Ruskies. Can I... Can I use that slang on here? I bet I can. I can discriminate against white people on here all I'd like as long as they're white. You know what I mean? Like, wh like white. Russians are white. Any other flavor you can't say anything else about without getting canceled. 
What are you, a bigot? Yes, it's Russians rapid-fire printing dollar bills over at the Federal Reserve leading to hyperinflation. Making you cry like a little baby in the aisles of your grocery store. It's Russians. They did it. It's them. Yeah, totally. Now fight about what... That's so fucking like... Let me read this comment. But that's so fucking like... They're just like, oh, the way she talks is like... I, I feel like that's the attitude that they have, really. It's like, go, go, go scroll on TikTok. What do you... You know, let the big... Let the grown people, you know, yeah... You know what I mean? You don't even know what you're talking about. Go away. Go argue about trans people. Let me read this comment right here. It says, do you think those in power who see their hold on society slipping away will offer reparations with a catch? One million per African-American, but you have to give up your citizenship. What percentage of African-Americans on the brink of poverty or lower middle class will accept this? And I think they, I think I think whoever wrote this, I think you're pretty on point because I think that reparations is going to come with a catch if they ever, because they're not trying to really actually atone. So therefore, they're gonna it's going to be used in some kind of way as for a citizenship. Who knows what it will be, what it would be? You know, you got to give up all your rights, you know, or I don't know. You know, you got to move. You got to leave the United States. I don't know. Who knows? It's going to be something. And you're going to be like, what? No, that's not what I want. <laughs> yeah, but if you want this cool meal, this is what you got to do. So, do you want the reparations or do you know? <laughs> and then they'll use that and say, well, if black people were treated so badly in America, why did they not take their reparations money and leave? Right. And said they chose to stay here. So, they must be good. So, we're just going to keep treating them like we've been treating them. The ones that want reparations can get it, and you know, everything is good. Done and done. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much how that shit gonna roll. Well, if somebody <laughs> who understands the uh, how everything works, I would definitely take that deal. They didn't say, well, you see, well, not leaving, you know, leaving the United States and leaving America are two different things. So, um, It's just all how you look at it, but um, either way, I don't know if that's even uh, really a legal deal because where do you go back to when you never left? But I don't know. Anyhow. Yeah. Uh, yeah so what would they do? Like, yeah, that would be a problem. But see, maybe, you know, I always I was saying before a good way, you know, a good part of reparations would, to, would be to give us a state. They stole a bunch of damn land anyway. A state. A state. At least at least that. You know, Florida. I don't know. They they're not gonna come off of Texas. They give us Alabama or something, Georgia. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't think that would ever happen. I, I, I but think it needs to be more than a state. Uh, <laughs> it had to be a few uh, quite a few states, at least. At least four or five, at the least. <laughs> you know already, they they ain't gonna come off one state. Four or five, they're gonna be like, nigga, get the. Fuck. How about I just blow up your town? <laughs> How about we just uh, finish eradicating y'all? Damn, y'all still here? You know, that's one of the things I I really feel strongly about. You know, my existence is the resistance. And I say I read that I read that or something somewhere or whatever, and it stuck with me. My existence is 
the resistance. It's like, that's why they, you know, that's another reason why, you know, it's the police brutality. It's like, damn, y'all niggas are still here. God damn. <laughs> Thought we killed all y'all. <laughs> yeah, that shit crazy, bro. <laughs> it's a reminder. It's a stab in the eye. It's a little poke. It's a stab. Every time they see us, it's, you know, because it's like the aboriginals. It's like, you know, the people who have rightful, you know, airship to this land. You know, that's that's why what they're doing to Palestine to the Palestinians, you know, uh, because, you know, everybody, you know, they argue and they change the law and they be like 1947 and all of this shit. And because of the war, all of this is really our land. But deep down inside, everybody knows whose land that is. There is no argument. But you know, they make up this shit. They argue about this shit. Meanwhile, they're they're basically genociding these people because if there was no, there's no more people there to say, hey, you know, my great 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 grandparents lived right here, bro. I've been here the whole time, bro. My egg, my egg, the egg I came out of was in the egg of some woman who was standing right here. So if you kill all those people, then you can be like. This is our land, nigga. We won the war, whatever, da 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 da. But as long as there's people there that really have airship to the land, that's a problem. When, yeah. when you, especially when you did it illegally, when you stole it from them, when you did it really shadyly. Well, I mean, it's all uh, captured in records. Um, it's not a secret. And there's a paper trail. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, this is something that's well known. It's just that the the the, the theories, the theologies in which they sell the people that won't that they know won't go study it and see it for themselves will continue to believe the lies. And to, I mean, the, the bad thing about it is that it's a majority. It's, it's, it's like more people than not um, that's going to just sit there and believe whatever it is that they're told and they continue the narrative regardless of how many people have debunked the whole idea you know many the many of the lies and you know can show you know you can see the proof for yourself it's just that it's not and it you know, and another part of that is how they rebrand people because of the part of it is because of the way they teach history. And that's why I really study. I love history uh, because these people that they talk about historically, like when they talk about when they tell you these older stories. And again, the United States hasn't been around that long. You guys, a couple hundred years, 300 years max. Right. Less, Fucking less than 300 years. That's 200. 200 mm. when they tell you these stories about these peoples like whoever they talking about you know pocahontas whoever the hell they talking about nigga those people are still here bro they didn't disappear they call them mexicans now they call them guatemalans now well, uh, you know, I can't, I don't separate the Americas. These are, in any ways, when you're looking at, uh, when you're looking at Central and North America, 
these are all the same people <clears throat> for the most part uh, they, they moved around that was their range they lived in this like i don't know what you want to call it south west southeast southwest whatever like southern like, like basically central america up into the states these are all the same people for the yeah, most part. I, I mean, I would say, I would say, even further down than that, um, uh, you know, of course, the the ethnic cleansing has happened over the years, uh, to some extent, you know, for a bunch yeah, of yeah. But when they talk about uh, Maya, those people are still here, bro. They call them the Maya in the textbooks, and they call them, I don't know, Guatemalan now. You get what I'm saying? Or niggas. Yeah, that's my point. You get me. That's my point. And that's what I think that people don't understand. All these different distinctions that they give us in present day is a, is a modern, you know, creation. And it's also to help to, to keep us from being able to see who we really are. And that, you know, because that's the thing. Niggas always talking to bad about Jamaicans or Haitians or whatever, bro. Like, Bruh, them is the same people as you, bro. Like, like if you from Louisiana area, you are Haitian, like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trust um, me. Well, um, you know, really, a lot of them from based on the history, like a lot of the the Mexicans migrated to Louisiana, um, for, you know, out of Mexico because of a lot of those wars. Uh, uh, the Mexican-American war and, you know, even stuff even before that, but either way, it, it is the, the same people. I mean, like I said, it was totally, you know, we mixed for thousands, of, like for definitely hundreds, hundreds of years for certain. Probably but, hundreds of thousands. Well, yeah. But who knows? Those numbers, you know, are here or there. But yeah, so that's the point. The point is that it's the same people because they've been mixing back and forth. They travel each other. They trade with each other. This is a these are these are you know they might have their tribal differences where they kind of fight about this or that. But pretty much they're the same people. And then and then like Louisiana got special connections to like the Caribbean, especially Haiti. You know, and, and that's another thing. People want to history like you think, OK, yep. Look at the movies or read the books or they tell you the history of slavery and the blacks are all enslaved and they're in the south. You think it wasn't black people or brown people moving back and forth in and out of the United States during this time? Get the fuck out of here. It was people moving back and forth between Haiti and the United States and, and the different Caribbean islands like crazy. Just because that's what they did historically. What people do is what people do. And that's what they've been doing. And they've been doing it. Like slavery disrupted to a certain extent and caused problems or whatever to a certain extent. But it didn't stop what these people were doing and had been doing and still continue to do to this day. Well, I mean, it's not like uh, some new, like, paradigm of uh, moving around the world. Like, um, people have always done that like the, the migrations i mean and, and you know it probably wasn't like you know i mean it probably is was a, a lot like what it, exactly how it is today some people 
you know, it wasn't the whole migration, you know, the, uh, you know, immigration processes and this, that, and the other, because, you know, we were more free about who, you know, you allowed certain people to come in and, okay, you find your place, you set up, you live. But, um, you know, it's, I think people romanticize, is I guess that's maybe the best way to say it, but like they they try to make it as if um, all these processes are new, like we're like human beings were not human beings before. Yeah, and the way they tell history, it makes you feel like that, but it's so dumb because that's what I be trying to get people to understand. Like you can't you can't look at history through a present lens, but you can. What humans do is what humans do. So, you know, moving around, we move around and we did, we've done that forever. So, uh, like, even like vacations and shit, you know, if you were able, yes, way back in the day, oh shit, travel to such and such and, and, and chill and then go back home. Even during us war or even during slavery, you know what I'm saying? Be like. Bruh, it's kind of dangerous in the South United States right now, but who, who knows what they called it. Um, so, you know, it might not be a good idea, but you know, it had niggas like, man, nigga, fuck that shit. I'm going to just slide up in there and do my thing and then slide up out of there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure they did because they knew what they were doing. You know, yeah. uh, that, that's another thing. We think that they were, they were dumb, you know, and the more I study history, I, I think these people were smarter than us. They've been dumbing us down. Like, you can clearly see how, like, with the internet and everything, how they're dumbing us down present day. But I think they've been doing that since before that. They've been dumbing us down for a minute now. And the, and and you go back, those people were more intelligent. They were more capable. They were smarter. They were smarter than us. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I want to apologize because, I mean, I pretty much agree. I mean, I think we, well, I know we, we, you and I have had these conversations, but yeah, the people of the past were definitely smarter than us, you know, and then a lot of things happened in a short period of time that, you know, even just, just like, just the difference between what's happened from the 80s to now has, you know, really made people so dependent on you know in you know like the, on other you know other re other sources like instead of the way that they before the 80s they were more self-sufficient more dependent upon themselves and their groups to where they've given away their power to the smallest groups of people on the planet and where pretty much dwindling into like just fucking pits. Damn. Like Damn. That's heavy, man. I be thinking about that. There's a saying I heard a long time ago and I don't want to I'm I'm gonna butcher this. So it's like Jewish person and it's like he's like the Jewish people, we're like a uh we're like the hawk and we go into the nest and we just eat and it's like Society is, you know, they just there to provide us with sustenance. Like they exist for that reason. Mm. And this is their philosophy. Let me play some of this. 
whether or not mediocre men should dominate women's sports. Bigot. Anyway, I told you months ago that they were sabotaging the supply chain, or maybe I asked whether or not y'all thought the supply chain was being sabotaged. I seem to remember that you did think so, and I shared my personal opinion that the ruling class wants the supply chain disruptions because supply chain disruptions benefit government in the sense that in times of crisis and in times of shortage, government can step in, impose mandates, laws, whatever, and control large sectors of what was formerly considered the free market. And I summarized that the whole series of action, the aforementioned action, would certainly lend itself to the goals of the Great Reset which we'll talk about here in just a second. Such crazy timing, all of this Agenda 21 stuff rolling out in the year 2021 and still going strong in 2022. It's just the perfect storm of all these circumstances. So let's take a closer look at some of these circumstances, coincidences, some might say, contributing to these food shortages. We can't forget to lay the foundation of manufactured crisis, of COVID lockdowns that forced small businesses to close while leaving Amazon and Home Depot and Walmart open, but inevitably put strain on the production line where workers had to be tested each time they showed up for work or were fired for not getting the vaccine. Furthermore, in 2021, the Biden administration announced that it was expanding a program that paid farmers to leave land fallow or without crops, which was part of a broader government-wide effort to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. Agenda 2030, part of the Great Reset. Pause, man. It's like the thing, like she's saying, like the, this video really hit me hard because it's like she made me think about how many different things are happening at once here. Like, we got a bunch of shit happening at once, bro. And you know what's crazy? I was thinking about the TV shows, you know, uh, Iverson, or Tither Tiverson or Peterson. I don't know what the fucking name of it is. HBO show. They have sex on it. Attractive people. Anyways, they have some of the best TV shows out right now. Like, some of these shows are really good. Euphoria. I don't watch TV, but I've... From the critics, they're saying they're good. I caught clips of these, so I understand why people like them or whatever. What I'm saying is you got, the, and then you got TikTok. So meanwhile, they're doing all of this shit, all of the shit that they've been trying to get done. They just like ramming this shit through all at one time, bro. Like it's the perfect storm for them. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's the whole uh, chaos magic that uh, that they're doing is that if they keep, you know, like the whole keeping you distracted with this and, you know, because some people might be like, oh, yeah, this bullshit. But then it's like, but this thing, you know, this is what we got to pay attention to. So they got different segments of our, uh, you know, of our country that's totally encapsulated in one or or more of these different things that they're worried about that they're scared about and you know but that's that's just i mean that's how and each this, one of them are weapons of mass distractions to to quote doc since he's not here but yeah that's exactly. weapons of mass yeah so and that's what it is so but meanwhile they're doing all of this fucking big they're making big moves Yeah. Yeah. Totally, bro. Like and a bunch of shit. 
think that they're trying to do. So, but the natural order of things would be for them to not be on the upside after the reset. The natural order of the world, like the way things are going really underneath, not in the narrative, but what's actually happening on the ground is it's is it's going in the other direction and then you got to look at these countries look at the try to understand it in geopolitics also with china india uh russia some of these african nations and you know the pivot uh because and well, you know this this I, I, before i was talking about no world war three but now i feel like we're going down that road now because you're starting to see these geopolitical divisions that's happening. The, 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 the narrative of the East and the West and the West being dominant is, you know, it's losing its, you know, it's losing its hold on to people. And you got what they would call the East. They're coming together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's his name? Keep popping up in the news. Um, Hold on, let me get this. What country is this? Uruguay, Paraguay? Fuck! Uh, Hungary! Hungary is the country. And the guy, he keeps popping up. That guy. So, and he's like, one thing is weird about that uh, connection. Like, he's cool with Russia. And you know how I always be talking about the fascism and the uh, 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 Russians not liking Nazis. But Hungary got a, got a bit of a fascist tint to it. And um, Hungary is pretty cool with Russia, and 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 the, the that guy he just won re-election or whatever, and he's been in there for longer than than Putin actually. So, but then you can look at that situation as it being smart that Putin is cool with this guy because he's been in power for so long. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm kind of getting off track, but my point is these alliances that have nothing to do with the West that have strength over there you know what i'm saying so this strength grows and if the west keeps on its road that is doing of this like western domination narrative they're gonna end up running into this eastern fucking block of countries that's gonna be like bro we didn't had enough so i mean these resets happen every so often but if you not, you know, because like I said, I mean, you know, this is something I somewhat studied or listened to through different, you know, videos and they break it down to how these things actually happen. I mean, this is this is something that's never that's, that's, that it's not that it never happened before. It's just that nobody that's living has seen it happen, but they're preparing for things. Um, that's totally insane and like i said this is a lot of desperation i mean the whole ai stuff and the putting uh their consciousness into the ai so that when they're gone they can still be here to try to rule over people who that are still here that's you know? crazy Insanity. Let me play a bit more. This plan incentivizes farmers to take land out of production by raising rental rates and incentive payments. 
When the Biden administration announced this plan, they were adding 4 million more acres of farmland to make a total of 25 million acres of farmland that is basically unused. During this time, videos circulated from farmers on TikTok and other social media platforms saying that the Biden administration was paying them to destroy their crops. But mainstream media outlets have worked around the clock to debunk this rumor, even though it's well known that governments pay farmers to destroy surplus crops for the purposes of supply management to keep prices stable at the grocery store. Around the same time, a report came out saying that Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates sealed his position as the largest owner of farmland in the United States. Okay, did y'all hear the part about, you know, that they, they pay them to destroy crops? And uh, I remember when they were doing that last year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a real thing that happens. It, it, it really happens sometimes <laughs> normal. This is kind of normal, I would say. You know, to a certain extent, not to say that it's right, but in, they do a, this. Yeah. In, in a time period when they're already looking at things being um, limited, like, I mean, this was a, a bad period in time to say that when, you know, you can barely stock the shelves. Right. And, so you, you can't know, be doing that now. And it's the illusion of scarcity. And we talk about it all the time. But they, this is a common practice because it could just be like this particular crop had some bumps on it or whatever. Like they have these real strict, you know, rules on the what, what's acceptable and what's not. You know, what can be sold and what's not. And then sometimes it benefits <coughs> them to destroy crops so that they can maintain a price level, a price point. Sometimes it has to do with the price point. This is very yeah. common Bro, practice. I say I seen them not only I seen them not only tell you know telling people to farmers to destroy crops, but I also seen videos that were surfacing around on social media where they had small oil companies where they were sending them letters to just dispose of the oil. The oils that were sitting in their little storage tanks on these uh just spill these lacks yeah just basically yeah just open that shit sometimes up it... sometimes i wonder about that i swear because these people are smart they get they really get the smartest people in the world that works for these damn oil companies and shit it's the best job for you to get so i mean like you're a smart guy you go get a job for one of these oil companies these guys are really smart so i'll be wondering about some of these spills that happen and some of the, the pipeline bursts that be happening I wonder about that shit because I'm like, especially the pipeline ones, because I'm like, I know they spent a whole lot of time working on that shit. Bro, that's just like all of the chemical plants in, um, in uh, Houston, down in the Pasadena LaPorte area. It is cheaper for them to pay an EPA fine than it is to try to dispose of that shit the proper way. So it's better for them to burn that shit in reactors uh, and release the gases in the atmosphere, you know, than to then then it's cheaper for them just to pay the fine than to try to dispose of it properly. You think about how many trucks they would have to bring in, load these trucks, then they gotta pay, they gotta pay you because that shit ain't gonna be cheap. So they can just burn that sludge off. Put run that shit through the reactors and let that shit burn all night. You sometimes you go you you driving through Houston, just look to the southeast. You'll see the the damn sky be lit up orange because all of the refineries over there got their reactors flaring off. 
I know. Out shit. It's like Texas don't give a damn about the environment, bro. We're like China. Um, um, what is that neighborhood? Uh, there's a whole neighborhood that smell like fucking donkey nuts. Pleasantville. We used to live over there. Uh huh. Yeah. Pleasant Pleasantville smell like donkey nuts, and 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 they could keep that name. <laughs> it's not very pleasant. Um, the the neighborhood they have a suit. I don't know what happened with it, but the people who own houses over there were suing related to that air pollution stink that's over there. We didn't live there that long, six to eight months or something. I don't remember what happened. My mom, she didn't have, you know, she just randomly ended up renting a house out there. We was there like six months. And literally, it stinks. Every day you walk out of the house, you smell that same smell. I don't really know what it smells like. I just use donkey nuts as an... But it stinks. Nah, I don't know what it smells like. I don't know what donkey nuts smell like. I's just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the shit crazy, bro. But it makes you wonder. You know, sometimes I sit back and I think about that shit and I wonder, what was there first? Was this refinery there first or was these homes there? You know, and then I think about, okay, if the homes wasn't there... So that means the developer of this subdivision, who's probably now dead and gone, but his family is has benefited off of the money. The decision that he made to put this development or this subdivision right over by a refinery, you know, knowing the the, the repercussions of that shit, you know, like, but at the end of the day, it's cheaper for them just because they already have that money set aside, bro. They had that money set aside because you think about what happened back in West Virginia back in the day with uh, the chemical plant company, Roman Haas, DuPont. All of that fucking, all of those chemicals that they buried underground and people were, kids were being born with, you know, yeah, well, no what they eyes do, and all that shit, bro. They I, set that money aside now. So, yeah, I know. Like, okay, they can sue. And it's and still we'll pay out. We don't but care because we, we just made a trillion dollars. So y'all make us pay, a you know, even if y'all charge a billion, we just made a trillion. Yeah, so what they do is they put those factories right next to low-income communities, right next to, uh you know, black and brown communities, blacks and Hispanics and shit. I've seen it time and time again. They can't pull it off. other The other communities are going to be like, nah, nigga, y'all can't build that shit over here. Fuck that. We're going to be breathing that shit in. So then they, they slide it in on the black and brown communities. And they do it all the time, you know. The put a fucking dump. All the, the one that's working all the time, and all they know is that before you know it, where you said, "Oh, they must be building new neighborhoods over here," and before you know it, they they got the plants there. Yep. Or or yep. a trash dump, or yep. or or they'll send land. they'll send a train through there, or some shit like that. That's what they love yep. to do, bro. So, and I'm yep. sure they do this around the world because looking at from, you know, that's my been my personal experience, but I think they do that around the world. They go to the indigenous areas. And that's why, that's why you have the native the indigenous people complaining about the oil companies spilling shit into their water and shit. So I think they're doing the exact same thing around the world where they're just like, send the pipeline through the Chihuahua group, you know, fuck them. <laughs> and, and then when they have problems, oh, we need to get rid of that shit. Spill it in the Tawaka Waka group. Fuck them. Uh, what they gonna do? It's crazy, bro. Cry about they're it. Gonna, they're gonna, gonna start rain dancing on some ass. That's what need to be happening. 
Yeah, but they don't have no nukes. Them niggas got nukes. They got fucking he choppers, helicopters. No, you better remember that damn voodoo. Voodoo and it, whatever else. Yeah, well, I, I believe the natural reset is coming. And, um, like, that is what happened with the Haitian Revolution because they did have superior power, but them niggas used what they knew and they scared the shit out of them niggas. They had them bruh. niggas shitting in their pants, bro. Look, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I love cases, the Haitian Revolution. Y'all, look that shit and, up. And in most cases, when people say it's something is coming, it's already there. I think it has pretty much happened and we're just not aware and they not aware and nobody's aware we, we're, we're asleep we're in the matrix with 242,000 acres of farmland and 27,000 acres of other land across 19 different states according to the land report with the largest chunk of his land being in Louisiana and Arkansas as well as why the hell this nigga got so much farmland bro and why is so much of it in Louisiana and Arkansas? Arkansas? They plan because on causing a bunch of niggas. Hey, bro. And you think about that shit. You think about it. Bill Gates has been number one and talking about he like the world is overpopulated. We're overpopulated. And that's what I'm saying. Like, who makes this motherfucker God? for you to feel like that you know and not only does he own all of this farmland a lot of people don't realize that he is the world leader he owns majority like the when it comes down to vaccinations yeah that's his charity pharmaceuticals and he sends all of that shit over there yeah pharmaceuticals he sends all of that shit over there to africa and all of these other places bro like this motherfucker, he's fucking evil, bro. And then look at the questioning. I forget. Well, that was back in the nineties, wasn't it? I think it was, where they were trying to prosecute his ass, and 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 he ended up getting off. So his whole deal was he's gonna start some type of vaccination co company or 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 expand it into other countries to help the U.S. or something like that. It was, but man, this dude is. Pure yeah. fucking evil, he put bro. he put him he pretty much handed over his company to someone else so that he can do philanthropy. Um but I okay. mean still yeah. that just gives him full time to work on whatever he really wants to work on, and it also gives him a buffer zone so that they can't uh you know persecute him behind stuff that his companies are doing. It gives another little layer of protection. Well, I'm gonna tell yeah. you like this. Um a lot of these people that you're seeing today, their parents were into a lot of these same things when they were alive because... Uh, yeah, Bill Gates, right? His Bill, mom... His what, dad... What was, no, his dad, his, dad, his dad worked along with Margaret Sanger in the eugenics uh, project. Eugenics, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. I thought it was and, his mom. But, he, but they were also in, in connection with... Um, uh, uh, Fauci, Fugazi. Yeah. They, uh, and they're make, they're making a bunch of money too off of this shit. So it's like, okay, on one hand, you got the pandemic and the pharmaceuticals, and then on the other hand, you got food. And then like food and drugs go together, right? Food and Drug Administration, fucking. Well, the people that can control the things that go into your body pretty much control the people. 
the people who control the money can control the country. The people, how does that go? Um, I heard either that way, somewhere. Yeah, they have they have they have all the the powers over pretty much everybody and everything. Fucking crazy. Let me play a little bit more of this. Was his home state of Washington. Bill Gates, the guy who cheerleaded the whole pandemic, ran a simulation for COVID before anyone knew what COVID even was with Event 201, who invested in these vaccine companies and funded the efforts to make the vaccine. He's now the biggest farmland owner in the United States right when food shortages are announced on the horizon. No, nothing to see here. Nothing. Nothing to see here. We'll just come on. Just keep on going. There's nothing to talk about there because that's there's nothing to it. Fuck. Fuck. Nothing suspicious at all. Earlier this month in Iowa, they reported a surge in bird flu cases that resulted in killing five million egg-laying chickens. Earlier this year, a turkey farm was taken out for the same reasons. They say that infected birds have been found in at least 24 states, and the virus has been circulating and migrating waterfowl in Europe and Asia for nearly a year. So they're killing all these chickens, and the prices of fertilizers what? are already at 40%, and now with Pause. the conflict in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. Now, see, <laughs> this whole idea... Because, I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the pandemic, all the things that they assured you was that this thing was not able to pass from human to uh, right to, to animals. Yeah. So, so they're using the same bullshit. They're using the opposite lie to give you the reason why they need to kill off this all this file, the birds and stuff. So that they can control, modify, do whatever. Because I mean, if you got control of over pharmaceuticals and food, you know, like you can create. Like I mean, shoot, they can practically everything that they've been injecting. You know, ha you know, asking your permission, telling you to give your, you know, you, you know, you sign over your rights and t before you take this thing they're not even going to do that now they're going to pretty much feed it to you through the food don't yeah. even ask your permission it, it you better I, read you better read the ingredient label it's kind of like the I, damn you uh, remember apps. you yeah. remember uh y'all remember and i know y'all probably remember this shit uh, I want to say it was towards the end of last year when we were talking about the vaccination and and I had told Pat, I was like, man, it's funny how when you go get tested, I'm thinking that they putting that shit and we were talking about the food. That's funny, bro. Like this dude on all this formula and these birds, who's to say that these birds actually, yeah, they may have been killed, but they're killed when they slaughter them. Who say this shit not circulating around, bro? Right, we already ate them hoes. They went to. <laughs> I would say you chicken really? nuggets, but they said there ain't no chicken in chicken nuggets. I just saw a report about the McDonald's chicken nuggets. It's like no chicken see, in it. Here's the thing, bro. Because like you think about it, like I remember, I remember uh, during the pandemic, 
when it was hiding and people were going, you couldn't find a deep freezer. People were going into the stores. This was before they put limits on how much meat you could buy, like on chicken and uh, pork and shit like that. Yeah. Back then, dude, how big these fucking uh, young whole chickens were. A whole chicken usually, I mean, a normal whole chicken is probably a little bit bigger than a Cornish hen. You know, maybe two Cornish hands together. Dude, these chickens were fucking swole. We didn't eat no chicken. I tell you, I didn't want I'm no chicken. You. I didn't want no pork. The, even the pork chops looked fucking disgusting. Like, That's... I didn't eat none of that shit, bro. And it's like, now that this, I watched this video. That's why I don't fuck with chicken day. breasts or those leg quarters. I don't fuck none with that the... shit. Yeah, because they, shit, why bro. the fuck is that shit so big, bro? That ain't right. Yeah. Yeah, and then now they're going around telling people, you know, oh, you know, we should leave the meat alone, you know, start practicing and, you know, a vegetarian diet and this and this and that. And it's like, motherfucker, y'all putting that shit in the vegetables too. Right. I think y'all slick. GMO <laughs> vegetables too. And, and then if you try to go vegan, ain't, ain't nothing coming out of a box going to be healthy for you, bro. Anything no. that's got preservatives that's been preserved. It's not gonna be good for you. Period. And that beyond that beyond meat. That beyond meat. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get this wrong. So I'm not gonna say any brand name. But they tested vegan meat off the grocery store shelves. They found that the vegan meat that was on the grocery store shelves had chemicals that they would use to preserve bodies. They found, they found in another, uh, it was a couple of other brands that they found and they pulled it off of the shelf for the while, for a while after these people done this research and found, but they found that this shit had traces of human remains in it. Ugh. This vegan meat that was coming from other countries that was on the store shelves. Oh, you're killing me, bro. I'm going to go throw her up. Let me play some of this. Russia, it's really heating up. It's looking grim because Russia and Ukraine make up more than 30% of the global wheat market and are considered the breadbasket of Europe. Many African and Middle Eastern countries source over 50% of their wheat from Russia and Ukraine. About 400 million people are dependent on Russia and Ukraine for food. Because of all these circumstances, wheat prices are up 21% and barley is up 33%. Wartime profiteering, am I right? And let's not forget that even before the war, grocery store prices were at an all-time high everywhere. Boom. I really wanted to say that because we was talking about inflation a lot on the show. And um, they were talking about the war and inflation. But they, uh, the, the prices were up before the war in Ukraine started, right? Even the gas prices. Yeah. Yeah. But they, can, but they yeah. point the finger at everything... Putin, Russia, everything is going to be blamed on them because that's who, that you know, that's their eye. And, you know, in order for them to be able to go and, you know, set their claim on why they got to neutralize I, him. Or, I, I was noticing it. That in some products, they would, the price wouldn't change, but the portion amount would, like the cereal boxes was getting smaller. Number of ounces in it is smaller. 
You know what I'm saying? In different ways they were doing the packaging and shit like that. It, um, and, and, and just the regular prices of stuff like eggs or whatever, like the regular stuff, that price, those prices were just more. Bread, stuff like that. And I noticed this shit. And this was before Ukraine. And it was like, I don't know, going into the pandemic. And then it's like, you go into a pandemic and everybody is struggling and the damn prices of the food is already high. And then, you know what? Let's raise the prices some more. We gave them some checks. <laughs> they, they. I, I, <laughs> I hope you saved that twelve hundred dollars we gave y'all, cause you gonna need that for bread and eggs, motherfucker. <laughs> mm. I don't know if you yeah, niggas knew. If y'all, if y'all wouldn't went and used that money and got you a, a few chickens, maybe a cow. Got your friends, get your friends to uh, go in with you, and they get a bull, and then y'all start sharing. You know, I mean, it's almost like shit. You should have been pooling that money to make something like you know, create a community. And man, yeah. let me play some more. But don't worry, the fine people at Bloomberg have offered us a solution. In the form of a tweet that got ratioed to Helen back, recommending using lentils instead of meat, switching to public transportation, avoiding buying things in bulk. The author of the article they linked recommended that families who earn less than $300,000 a year embrace a vegetarian diet and, quote, rethink those costly pet medical needs, end quote. Just go have all your family pets euthanized. It's that simple. Children won't go hungry if you just go have your cat put down and you start your steady diet of Soylent Green, Cricket Burgers, and Cockroach ALE. <laughs> Don't worry, you can still have your free Krispy Kreme as long as you show them your passport for your eighth booster. In all seriousness, be prepared, but I don't think you should excessively worry and go raid the grocery store if you live in the U.S. We're a huge exporter of food and we run on corn, meaning that the livestock is predominantly corn fed and there's a lot of corn to go around. But I think what... They don't mean that's gonna, they're going to give us that corn. Okay. It, you, the, the, um, I was just studying uh, the potato famine that happened in Ireland. And it was really a genocide. And you know what's crazy? Because it was a famine and a lot of people died. Like, I mean, like, like, what did they say? I don't know, bro. Like a huge amount of, of Irish people died in this famine. Like they it changed their it changed their population to the point where they don't they to this day they haven't they don't have the amount of population in Ireland to this day that they had before this famine happened. Okay? That's how impactful it was. So, but guess what? Guess what? Guess what they don't teach you? They was growing enough food to feed all the people in Ireland. Guess where that food went to? Livestock. That food went to livestock um, to feed the people outside of Ireland. They purposely starved these people and fed the food to the fucking cows. So don't think they're going to give us that corn. What we're actually about to see is that poorer countries will be pushed even further to the brink of destabilization with food shortages. But also keep in mind if food prices exceed a certain average income threshold, riots and instability will be close by. 
since the average citizen is being forced to spend this huge chunk of their income just to eat, just to survive. So that's the average income person. Imagine what it's like for lower income people. We loot in the Winn-Dixie tonight. Listen, for real though, if I see you sliding a jar of peanut butter and a loaf of bread in your purse, you think I'm saying anything? You trying to feed your children? I'm not saying anything. I didn't see nothing. Food prices have gone up since the beginning of lockdown and we're watching gas and energy prices rise and housing is, is insanely expensive and the inflation they said was transitory, well, isn't. That money you've been saving up for years is worth less and less as the days go on, but wages haven't caught up to these rising costs, the higher cost of living, and that's the reality of wage slavery. After all, it was Henry Kissinger who said, who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. That was the quote you was looking for, huh? Earlier, uh, Pat. I think that was the quote you was looking for right there. That shit crazy, bro. It's crazy, bro. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I'm putting you out of sleep. Let me play just a little end because her solutions are, you know, gross view or garden. Let's play. And that, internet friends, is where we land on the solutions portion of this video. A rare segment in a really graceful video, but important nonetheless. And it's about what you can control. What you can personally, tangibly control with your own two hands. Because there will always be war. There will always be greed. There will always be evil people who want to rule the world. And there will always be news stories reporting all of this with agendas we've only begun to understand. But you, you personally can cultivate skills to help yourself and your family live outside of their system. And it might seem like such a little insignificant thing. People will belittle it in the comments, learning how to grow a vegetable garden, using herbs to make your own medicines, raising backyard chickens for eggs to barter with your neighbors things like that, but it's actually really important. It's a big thing you can do to supplement what you already have and earn a little freedom from the system along the way. During World War II, the U.S. encouraged citizens to plant victory gardens as a patriotic duty, as the surplus of vegetables produced by these gardens helped offset cost and lowered the price of vegetables used to feed the troops. So every family had a little garden, working with what space they had to produce what they could, eat what they grew, and canning the rest for winter. Of course, there are plenty of people who still garden to this day, but a lot of us are so removed from our food and how it's made. And maybe our parents didn't teach us how to do these things because their parents didn't teach them, so we don't know where to start. But literally all you need is a plot of tilled soil or some buckets from Home Depot with drainage holes at the bottom, and you can make your own soil mix, whatever, and go to town. You can start plants from seed. You can buy your plants, which is more expensive. I mean, I buy mine from a neighbor who has a greenhouse. But if you take care of your plants, water them, love them, do what you got to do, you're going to have a return. And that's one less thing you're buying from the grocery store. And you can grow a lot, even an herb garden on the balcony of your apartment from the back deck of your house. You don't have to have a ton of space. I'm sharing pictures on the screen right now of beautiful gardens that belong to our internet friends. My whole point is, yeah, there are probably some items you can't find at your grocery store right now that you wish you could, but things aren't that bad yet. Why not take this year to learn these necessary skills when there's no heat on you and you can, 
You don't have to get it right the first time. So you can get some practice in case hard times are around the corner. That's what you should do this year. I think that's a good recommendation that she has.